Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mackie and Judd right now, and Chip has the white headphones on, which means I get to laugh at him. <laughs> wow. That's very mean-spirited for this early in the morning, uh, Kenny. Nice, nice headphones, I'm shocked by that. Miss Chip. <laughs> Kenny, what happens when you see third grade. When you see dudes walking around in those, those like white-framed sunglasses? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. That's so great. Are you a white belt guy? By <laughs> yeah, that's even better. The man loved the 70s. If you can get your 70s. glasses to melt your belt, I'm a big fan. <laughs> big disco guy. Oh, man. John we, Travolta. We got Chip. We got Lou Nanny. Uh, let's start it up, though, with... There was something in the air. Fernando. Come on, Kenny, dance. Fernando. You creeps. Fernando. <laughs> Come on, it's like a ball. Down and in. Got Granderson for the first out. That's a big strikeout against a veteran hitter. Half swing, I think he went. Pitch is the first thing, yes, sir. Strike three, and they're going to get a catch him. Strike him out, throw him out, double play. Got him. Ground ball to third, to second, to first, double play. Yeah, we talked about before the game. We want to see how he how he handles, you know, the warm up and the first inning and all those kind of things. And it was it was good, and I, I think that really helped him. Not having to, uh, you know, deal with putting us in the hole early, and we got him a couple of runs, and you know, he he had some base runners. He, did, you know, wasn't a perfect day for him. We know that sometimes command's going to be a little bit iffy, but as you can see, this stuff is alive and had a lot of people uncomfortable in the batter's box. Fernando, <laughs> uh, Chip, you were down there for the, for the, I was for there, the post yeah. gamer. Yes, Joe, were you down there for the post gamer? I was too? not downstairs. You, you went to bat and barrel before uh, the post gamer. <laughs> I went. Yeah, I didn't go in, but I went and took a picture. Judge standing outside Bat and Barrel taking a picture, knowing that he really wants to go in and try some beer. But I wouldn't but do can't it. Get past I the still name. can't do it. Can't get past that darn name. What did uh, you, you do with the picture? Just I tweeted it out. Oh, you tweeted it. Okay. Yeah, it's right here. I'll show you to it. It's a nice picture. Yeah, we'll just wait while you just show it to the yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Keep Judge talking. Judge has been no, no, in there multiple talking. times. Had to stop and take a picture. Yeah. Keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah. There, there you go. See Bat oh, and Barrel, okay. Chipper. Yeah. What a right. fraud. He yeah. literally walked through there two days ago, and now he says, oh, I can't go in. No, you already I've been called a fraud. Um, a lot lately. It's very unfair, yeah. Chip. I don't think Fernando is a fraud. That dude throws yeah. 97 miles an hour with movement and off-speed stuff. It's, it's interesting. I was talking to Wetmore after the game, and he looked it up on one of his fancy uh, websites there. Uh... <laughs> Stata McGeek website. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, That's my favorite. When Chip's writing a column, he's like, all right, I need a stat. You guys, yeah, uh, Wetmore, <laughs> Mackie. You're Sid-like. I'm like, look, look one of those things up on one of those internet. Hey, tell me. Hey, I need you to tell me. Uh, I almost wanted to steal this one. It was so good. But uh, he looked 
look back, uh, twin starters in the last 10 years that have uh, thrown starters that have thrown 98, that have hit 98, there's only been four. Wait, in the last 10 years? In it, an era it, of, of max velocity and strikeouts? Yeah, look up his... Have, uh, have, have touched 98? Yep. Wow. It's um, not that surprising, I guess, if you think about it. Uh, maybe uh, Yoma? And one was uh, Graham. The, the oh, role five. oh, J.R. Graham. Okay. Oh, Graham. This, this includes relievers, too. Uh, did, or did he make a start? Or did J.R. Graham, he might have made I a start. I think he made a start, yeah. Uh, Alex Meyer, he made a start, correct? Yep, he used to Is Alex Meyer, J.R. Graham, and... Those guys worked out. I got it. According to Baseball Savant, <laughs> Romero topped out at 98.4 miles per hour. Do you know how many twin starters have thrown a pitch at least at 98 over the past decade? The it's answer... Starters. The answer is four. Liriano, J.R. Graham, Alex Meyer, Fernando Romero. Wow. That's Liriano post-surgery, too, yeah. in there. I yeah, think about, uh, the, you know, Meyer and Graham, did they get, what, one start? <laughs> yeah, Meyer one, made right? two or three, and, and now he, he had some surgery. But that, I mean, that right there, and we, we got into this yesterday, that, yeah, the pitching was better last year, but that stat is a symptom of 10 years yeah, of 10 years. poor development, poor identification. And I... Yeah, I let my column with it today, but his last pitch, uh, his 97th pitch, he threw 96 miles an hour. Yeah. So he was still, and he said afterwards, I'm not tired. I'm, you know, I could have gone longer. I like the poise, too. Yeah. I like the fact that it, it seems to me that when uh, Barrios came up a few years back, that there was definitely, I mean, the stuff was definitely there, but the the demeanor was a little bit, oh boy, things might, might start to go wrong, and they did for him. I like the fact that this kid, he seems like a, a good kid, but he's also somewhat cocky, yeah. which is a good starting point. Yeah, and I asked Mahler, too. I said, it, and they talked about that he, um, even before start, that one thing they liked about him was his, his maturity, and they saw that a lot in spring training. And I asked Mahler yesterday after the game, I said, you know, he got in, in, in those jams, but he never really got rattled. I said, is that a product of a guy trusting his stuff? And Mahler said, yeah, if I had that, I would trust it, too. And well, you, yeah. you wonder if it's a guy... It, Okay, I'm in trouble. Okay, I'm gonna throw it 98 by you. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm okay. Well, it's funny. Like Judd and I were the game started at noon, so we were during the last hour of our show. We had the first two or three innings on in here, and there was a couple times where he'd fall behind two and zero or whatever mm-hmm. it was, uh, or one and zero. And instead of nibbling on the edge like Correct. a lot of, oh man, I'm down two and zero. I don't want to throw. I don't want to throw a pitch over the plate or it's gonna get hammered. He's like, I'll just throw 97 with yeah. movement anywhere over the plate. Good and luck. That, and that's the thing we haven't seen that. I mean, we've seen pitchers come up here, and you like you said that. Ah, I don't have the greatest stuff. I better be perfect here. You know, I have to be on the outside or whatever. And it compounds the problem. They get in more trouble where if you have a guy that can throw it that hard, he just rears back and throws it by you. And so this is something we haven't seen. Now, you know, control might be an issue, but um, I sort of chalk some of that up to yesterday to probably just excitement and just sure. maybe some nerves. And His change and, uh, was 90? Yeah, a couple times. Uh, uh, talked to Castro afterwards that he was throwing his change up too hard. He said Castro said a couple times the the scoreboard up there where it read fastball is actually a change up. Yeah, he was throwing it too. So they wanted they want that to come down a couple just to have a bigger uh, variance there. But his slider was what eighty seven to ninety. You know that scoreboard problem is better than some of the other Twins pitchers in the last <laughs> ten years, where it's like their <laughs> fastball registers as a change up. I, I was. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was laughing about the uh, the catcher last year that had a pitch, uh, Jimenez. I was talking to him after one of his things, and uh, he said, he said, yeah, a couple times I look back and uh, 
after he, you know, he pitched, he looked back to see what the scoreboard said, see how fast it, <laughs> how fast he threw it, and it said knuckleball. <laughs> and he said, "Oh boy, <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be a knuckleball. It's <laughs> not a knuckleball." Like how how many times? Let's let's take that t- the ten years of no velocity stat that you guys brought up here. You know, in those ten years, whether it's in a playoff series or just in a series against the top teams in the American League, how many times? Just you know, sort of. You know, hypothetically, do you remember the Twins having a distinct advantage? This this is the Twins starting pitcher against, you know, the Astros first or second best starting pitcher. A guy, not very often, a guy like Fernando Romero has the stuff to where you'd go in and say, oh, Fernando Romero's pitching against Lance McCullers today? All right, game on. And you wouldn't say that, you wouldn't certainly wouldn't say that about a lot of yeah. the free agents they've signed in years past, Ricky Nolasco or some yeah. of these guys. Yeah, and that's the thing that's a promising. It's it's one star, so I understand. Let's not get carried away. He has to prove that he can, uh, you know, pitch at this level. But if he can, and now all of a sudden you have him and Brios, who are Brios twenty three too, right? Bingo. And this guy's twenty three, yes. so now you got two twenty three year olds with really good stuff. Yep. Gonzalez is up Gonsalves to AAA. Is not far away. Um, you can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of all these. This lack of just power arms that they've had in the in this uh, rotation, and it, as poorly as things have gone so far, I will say this: the the previous ed- administration here would have almost certainly started Phil Hughes at least twice more, if not three more times, and they would have continued to run him out, and it would have been a disaster. So I I give them credit for for looking at two Phil Hughes starts and saying we got to do something yeah. here, not not you know we got Phil signed to this big contract, so let's continue to give Phil a chance. I like the fact that they made a definitive move here, and now Hughes, they can buy him out, they can pitch him from the bullpen, but they don't continue to run him out to make starts that are going to be failures. Yeah, and it's I think there's just this urgency now because this team is not supposed to uh, just kind of limp to the finish line this year. After what they did last year, there's expectations this year, and this last two weeks have just been terrible. And so I think they said we can't just sit around and let this Fester. I mean, we have to make something drastic right now, and, and obviously, they probably didn't expect this to happen this soon. But even if you go back to spring training, what he didn't give up a hit, and uh, Romero didn't give up a hit Did in eight not. innings, and so they probably felt like, hey, we're going to have a short leash on one of these guys here because this guy's ready. Yeah, and if anyone's going to play the old, what when Irvin comes back, what do you do? As Patrick Royce yeah. would say, give me a pencil and an eraser. <laughs> we'll find room for Fernando Romero. Okay. Ding, ding. Robert buries the three. Eight to go on the shot clock. Here's Crawford driving on Jordan, the runner of the Stackhouse. Nice. Saw a little opening in there. Took shot the gap. Got a nice little floater up over the defense. Good job. Wow, what year was that last highlight from? Over Stackhouse? March of 2001. Play. He drove what? by Jordan. <laughs> drove by Jordan and lifted the floater over Stackhouse. Eight to go on the shot clock. Here's Crawford driving on Jordan, the runner of the Stackhouse. Nice. Saw a little opening in there. Took shot the gap. Got a nice little floater up over the defense. Good job. So that was, that was uh, Jordan with the Wizards. Yes. Yeah. And that was. Wayne, Wayne Larravee on the play-by-play there for, like, WGN, probably. That was an Elton Brand, Tyson Chandler, maybe, Bulls team. Wow, the that's throwback. Yeah. is what that is. Uh, so, John Krasinski had this. There, it's, it's in multiple publications, but uh, Johnny K from The Athletic is where I saw it. Jamal Crawford will not exercise his $4.5 million player option for next year. He'll become a free agent. Uh, Jimmy Butler apparently wants Crawford back for maybe some lesser salary, but this stood out to me just scrolling through some of the reactions. Punch Drunk Wolves on Twitter. 
did the number crunching on this. The Timberwolves with Jamal Crawford off the court were the 12th best defensive team in the NBA last year. With Jamal Crawford on the court, they were by far the worst defensive team in the NBA. So while he definitely gets hot, he's one of the most fun players to watch, I think, in the NBA because he just gets mm-hmm. he gets heat checky and sometimes yeah. <laughs> will go off and like he won games for the Wolves in Probably the second two or three, half. Right? Yeah. yeah. But if if you take him out and they're the twelfth best defensive team in the NBA, that's pretty glaring. And if they can fill his spot with a more defensive centric player and a guy who can shoot three pointers at an above average clip, yeah. then it's it's a it's a good good it, move by the Wolves. It's just not and he's uh anybody who's talked with him, I know you guys have a great person. I he's mean, a just, leader, he's yeah. He's just an awesome guy to talk to, really interesting and cool. But if you look at if they're if they're serious about making the next step, they had the fourth best offense and the twenty second uh, best defense. They've got to make a big leap defensively, and so you can't. It just doesn't make sense to bring Jamal Crawford back. He, he just doesn't fit. I mean, you have to replace some of these players with guys that can play defense. Yes, because you're going to be a good offensive team, and you, you think you're going to be even better because you're probably going to add some three point shooting. But you have to make a big leap defensively, and he's just not part of that equation. So it it makes complete sense uh, that and, and for him. He probably sees the writing on a wall too. I'm sure he's, you know, he saw that he's not going to be part of their plan. So this is where the, the Butler a dynamic is going to get dicey to a certain degree for this team as well. For as much as Tibbs loves Butler, uh, Crawford. So if so if Butler goes to Tibbs now and says no no no, we got to have Jamal back. If you guys recall, about halfway through the year, Jamal was pretty outspoken about the fact that I signed here to play more and I'm not playing more. And so okay. We saw Jamal, as as you said, I think he's a really good guy, and I'm sure he's well-liked by the team chipper, but all of that being said, I don't think he fits here. So so if this is where this is where Jimmy asking for things is going to also he's going to have to sit down and, and be told, Jimmy, we love you well, too, but, but we can't do everything that, that you want. And Jamal Crawford, if he wants to play more, does not fit what we're doing no. at all. Well, <clears throat> that would be a pretty short conversation to me because I would just take that stat that Phil had to him and say, "Here it is. <laughs> this is why we're doing but it." I mean, do you want to you want to be you want to have your friend or do you want to be a better but, team? But star stars do tend to fall in love with guys at times, I and, know. and that and that's very dangerous because they do have to be told, "Hey, it's not going to necessarily work out like you think if we bring this guy back." But the thing is, I mean, you just say, "Yeah, Jimmy, I know he's your friend and you mm-hmm. like the way he does, but he plays no defense, and you harp on everybody and how terrible you guys are defensively yeah. and." You have to get better defensively. Well, we're going to get better defensively by removing him from the. Yeah, equation. I mean, they need threes and defense more than anything else. And they need a spot up shooter. They don't need a guy who ha- needs to have the ball in his hands as much as Jamal does. Yeah. And, and and there are games where, there, like I said, there's probably two or three where he absolutely got hot in the fourth quarter and won the game for him. But he also has to have the ball in his hands a lot. It's just kind of it's fun to watch, but it's for not sure. necessarily. I mean, they already have Jeff Teague is one of the more ball centric point guards. I mean, he yeah. just like he he dribbles the air out of the ball a lot. And he, Jeff Teague's a good player and a good fit for what Tom Thibodeau's doing. But Towns needs the ball. Wiggins is ball centric. Butler. Butler's ball centric. Tyus Jones is a point guard, and when he's in the game, like needs to needs to be the straw that stirs the drink. Here's another one for you, and this just points this points to coaching more than anything else. Coaching and roster construction. So. The Wolves were the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA in terms of just, like, sheer makes. And 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 attempts. And attempts, yes. Percentage-wise, they were, like, middle of the pack. But, in, but volume of three-point shooting, they were the worst in the NBA. Wiggins and Crawford are both below-average three-point shooters. They're, they shoot 32-ish percent from beyond the arc. 
and they took the most three-pointers of anyone on the team. So you've got these two guys who are shooting a combined eight three-pointers per game that are below-average shooters that should not be. Now there's games you might say, yeah, well, I mean, Crawford sometimes will go yeah. lights out from three. And yes, but over 82 games, he should not be the guy that takes the second most threes on your team, especially in 20 minutes off the bench. Wiggins should not be the guy that leads your team in threes. And in general, you just need more guys, like you said, Chip, who can spot up, don't need the ball in their hands for 10 seconds on mm-hmm. a possession to get their offense going. Yeah, you need a couple like what the Rockets have. Go stand in the corner. <laughs> we're going to beat have. you off the dribble, kick, shoot, right. just yeah. make it. Like, hit that corner three. They, <laughs> the Rockets last night, they lost that game last yeah. night because they kind of slept in the first half, but they space it. And Utah does this too. They just, yeah. Ariza in one corner, you got Tucker in another corner, you got your ball-centric guys over here, Capella yeah. rolling to the basket. But, it's amazing. To your point, Phil, that's coaching though. I mean, if you if if they, it's roster construction, sure, sure, yeah. but yeah. sure, but if but if they did this right and came back, they they could be they could turn this thing around offensively pretty quick as far as far as how they spread the floor, which they don't do a good job of right now. And how much I haven't looked at it, but the money wise is is it just a ripple. I mean, it probably doesn't for Jamal. Yeah, uh, let's come back and talk more about that. What 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 could they do? What does this mean? And uh, we can get into some other stuff here, too. I know Judd has a hockey rant that he has to unload this hour. Well, I've been watching a lot of puck lately, Phil, and yes, I do. I'm not happy about All something. All right, Judd's going Judd's gonna to be mad at his favorite sports. Lou Nanny at the top of the that? hour. Uh, we also have this is kind of a packed show today. Roy Smalley is going to join us at 1130. Matthew Collar on Vikings and NFL in the noon. But Chip's hanging out. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. All right, we're doing, we're doing some number crunching here. Number, number crunching on the team rules. <laughs> there we go. Let's make it official. Chip Scoggins is with us. You had your uh, capologist hat on there for a minute. This is important <laughs> stuff. Okay. It's big offseason here, like Chip. The yeah. NFL and NBA salary off-season. caps are... Like impossible it, for fans yeah. to decipher. Fans, it's like, <laughs> it's like I know. It's like yeah. thank thank God for websites like is it Spotrack.com where yeah, you can yeah. just go and look up. So this is the good news is Jamal Crawford. If you're just joining us, uh, it was reported last night Jamal Crawford will not exercise his player option. I think the good news is because he's just he's a super fun player to watch, but the overall result of Jamal Crawford playing minutes is yeah. terrible defense, inefficient offense, and the Wolves already have enough of those guys. Like yeah. Wiggins is already a, an inefficient shooter, and Derrick Rose is on the roster. And so just by replacing him with a more 3 and D-centric player, and maybe it's even someone that's on your roster. Maybe it's a Marcus George's hunt. We're texting with Corzo during the break here. I mean, if you just empower someone to shoot corner threes and play defense, you might find yeah. that that you raise the water level. But uh, what does it mean in terms of salary cap freedom? Not much, because the Wolves are already, even without Jamal Crawford, about one full player over the salary cap. They're sitting at about $116 or $117 million for next year, and the cap is going to be, it's, it hasn't been set yet, but it's going to be like $101 million. Yeah. And uh, and then the luxury tax is somewhere in there between $120, $130 million. So they're much closer to the luxury tax, which I don't think Glenn Taylor is going to want to be too no. aggressive going over, than they are to being under the salary. So basically, cap. just a mid-level, which maybe seven seven million or something. And people might not want to hear; they might want to hear, but Derrick Rose is getting some of that. Oh yes, that, they, for sure. Yes. They didn't say yeah. it at the year-ending oh, thing, but it, <laughs> he came as close to saying it as they you did, possibly right. can. They certainly didn't give you leave you the impression that he was not. I would be use back. the word smitten when when it comes to <laughs> Tibbs and Derrick Rose. I would use the word smitten to describe how Tom feels about Derrick and the way he played in the postseason. Probably reinforced that he wants him back. I would think. Well, Phil Phil though brings up the word 
And this is the thing I'm I'm most curious about, because if you do it, it might work. But I can't see Tibbs doing it. The word empower. If you take Belly, if you had taken Belly and you had truly empowered him, I think he's a pretty good player. But My, he's, he's but he's got to be he's got to pull the trigger five times know, a game. I, you know? I know, yeah. I know. But 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 when but when Butler got hurt and Belly played, guess what? He yeah. did shoot because they told him you got to shoot, and so he did. But when Butler came back, I felt that Belly went back into the belly shell, went into the shell, yeah. And and so it's the word empowered. Does Tibbs have the ability? Because what he really wants to do is he really wants to get all those former Bulls back here as yeah. much as possible because they they are empowered to begin with. Does he want to empower people who who he supposedly developed during the course of this past season? Yeah, and I I go back and forth on Belly. I, I just I don't know how I really feel about him long term with him. He's also twenty nine, so yeah. I think because he because he's relatively new to the NBA, we yeah. think of him as always oh, like this young guy. He's twenty nine years old. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously he gives them the thing that they. That's what need. I was going to say, Chip. He, he comes. The yes, th- they need three point shooting. And he can do that. Yeah, but just the inconsistency drives you crazy sometimes with him. But I, yeah, but he doesn't have to be your second best player. Oh no, I no, think but, if if he were, but he can't be invisible either. No, um, for for the season, here, here's like here's something to note, and this is this all goes back to coaching. Okay, what, how should guys be used? How many minutes should guys be playing? Bielitsa and Carl Anthony Towns are the team's two best three-point shooters, and then and then Jeff Teague slots in there probably third behind those guys. Yet, like I mentioned last segment, the two guys who shoot the most threes on the team are Wiggins and Crawford, who are below-average NBA three-point shooters. So if Belly's going to be out there for the same number of minutes as a Jamal Crawford, which they average the same, about 20 mm-hmm. minutes a game, and Crawford's taking twice as many threes as Bielitsa. That's coaching. That's co- yeah, you have an issue. Yeah, that's that's not using your like, personnel. The like Eric yeah. Spolstra is a is a great coach, and and the Heat are going through some transition periods where Wade's thirty six and Dragic is like thirty two years old. But remember Wayne Ellington? Mm, yeah, who Most spent three yeah. years here. Wayne yeah. Ellington. This is where, where a great coach can identify somebody and say, you know what? Like, let's just maximize the hell out of what you do the best. And so Wayne Ellington off the bench set an NBA record for most three-point makes this season. Yeah, That guy came in, he played like 20, 25 minutes a night or whatever it was, and he shot like five, six, seven threes a night. They just said, Wayne, you're not going to dribble the air out of the ball. <laughs> you're going to play as much defense as you can, but you know what? Because you're so good at this one thing, and this one thing is really important in today's NBA. So with Bielitsa, who's a different player than Wayne Ellington, Bielitsa should shoot like five or six yeah. threes per game. He should be bombing threes every single night, mm-hmm. and they don't and that, use him that way. And that's the thing, like with Wayne Allen, when he was here, you're thinking, I just don't know this guy's an NBA player. How long is he? But in the way the NBA is now, if you can shoot threes, you can play a how, long time in this league. How many times did you guys see Belly get past the ball th- this year? And you could tell exactly what was going on yeah. in that belly head. <laughs> he'd look, he'd get the ball. Oh, no. It would be a three. It would be an obvious three. There were times he wouldn't be covered. And you could see him get the ball and look sort of towards the bench and look back at the basket and pass it. Yeah. It because just, what's going yeah, through sir. his head is yeah. if I take this shot and, it, and yeah. I miss this shot, I'm not going to Jimmy play. Butler's going to get mad or something. Yes. But like the message to him should be if you get the ball and you're standing behind the three point line, and there's a defender four feet away or further running at you or not, you should always pull the trigger. Yeah. And even sometimes when there's a, def- a defender close to you, if the shot clock's under 10, you should Shooting. still pull yeah. the trigger. And in the end, maybe he, maybe he shoots a slightly lesser percentage, but you're going to win that game. I mean, the Rockets, <laughs> the Rockets didn't shoot the best percentage from three. The Rockets just identified the guys who shoot three, which is like the way they construct their roster. Yeah. And they say, and you listen to Mike D'Antoni in the huddle of some of these games where he's mic'd up. He's just telling them, 
Shoot threes. Just bomb threes. Yeah, what is, they want 40 threes a game. Is they that, averaged. That last night? Yeah. Over 40 a game. They, they, yeah, want, think, they want 40 a night. I think during the course of this season, they shot 42 per game. Yeah, but you know, you're right. It comes back to if if they feel like that belly's part of their, you know, their nucleus core and he's a valuable uh, kind of you know, asset in terms of three point shooting, then they have to power him and they have yeah. to say, Hey, if you miss a couple, you're not coming out. Right. But that takes Tibbs having that conversation and falling through on it. I gar- I guarantee you that if if he is traded or goes elsewhere, I guarantee you guys uh next year or the, the year after that, we we will have a conversation about look at how great he is on San Antonio he's, or Houston. He's I restricted, right? Belly, he's restricted, he is, yeah. so he could. I, you know, I don't know what his value would be to a team, but they may look at it and say, "Hey, but he's, he's being very underutilized there." He would go somewhere and he would shoot threes, and it would be another conversation of, "Well, why didn't he do do that here?" Mm-hmm. And the question is, and and the answer to the question is because he was basically afraid to do it. Yeah. Since we're sitting here and throwing out stats and making up stats just for fun here, one before we get to Judd's hockey rant, I got one for you guys. One of my favorite all encompass. So in baseball, wins above replacement is sort of this all encompassing. It takes into account your hitting, your fielding. If you're a pitcher, you know your your pitching numbers, and even your base running and all these components. And it puts into context how good are you, and whether you believe in the actual wins above replacement number or not. It's a really good ranking, right? It's a really it, you you never open up wins above replacement and see that like Mike Trout is twenty. I mean, yeah. it, it kind of matches what you think, but it also validates who are the most valuable players, who are the most efficient players. Basketball has something similar. It's just win shares or win shares per 48 minutes if you want to break it down. Because um, like guys who play more minutes are going to get more win shares. So yeah. if you want to break it down per 48. How about this? If you put the Timberwolves roster, just rank it up and down, win shares per 48 minutes. The two best players are Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. Towns slightly above Butler because he's a more efficient offensive player. Butler comes in with the defensive edge. But according to that, and by the way, if you're looking to validate the rest of the league, it's like LeBron, Durant, it's yeah. all the top players. The bottom three players on the Wolves roster, according to win shares per 48, Derek Rose, Jamal Crawford, Andrew Wiggins. And yet those are the three guys that oftentimes, you know, once Rose came along are leaned down the most when they're in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's a usage issue. It's an efficiency yeah. issue. It's not being able to identify, okay, who are your best players, who are your most efficient players, and leaning on those guys. It's empowering players who, quite frankly, are shipwrecking your team. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, that's that's why when we uh, last week when we talked about this, that to me the number one question this offseason for them is is Andrew Wiggins. And not and it's not even so much if they say we're, he's off table, we're not trading him. And I, I wouldn't, you know, have that conversation. I'd – Obviously, listen and maybe try to explore him. But if you're if if they're going to keep him, you have to figure out how to use him and and get more out of him than than what you're getting because he's not a good shooter, takes inefficient shots, you know all the things we, we you, gripe about. And so they have to figure that out. And and Thibodeau the other day said, "Ah, oh, you had a terrific year." I mean, come on. Well, no, I no, he didn't. He's tra- he's and trying to jack list, up yeah. his his uh, his value if he trades him. But do you feel that Tibbs has the ability, Chipper? To if there is potential to be maximized here, do you feel that he's the guy to do it to get it from him? I mean, because I, it's going to have to come from the player, but it's also going to have to come from the coach as well. To yeah, help him out. I, with the Wiggins thing, I think it's more on the player to to realize, hey, you're not getting anywhere near out of your career that you could. Now they're yeah. enabling it, you know, they're yeah. enabling him to take those shots and 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 uh, you know be the way he is, but. Um, 
to me, I put the onus more on the player than than the coach on that one. But that's not to excuse yeah. Tibbs because they have to figure out how he's going to fit in this in this puzzle. Yeah, you want to hear a Judd hockey? Right yeah, I can't wait for this one. All right, I think Chip agrees with me on this one yeah. too. I'll bring some I'll bring some voice of reason to this when we come back. Oh, goody. Uh, Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. We got Lou Nanny at the top of the hour, but Chip's hanging out with us from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. You dudes are beacons of radio perfection. Mackie and Judd. I, I love you guys. On 1500 ESPN. That's right. And now, Judd Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, rants about the sport that brings him the most joy. This thing on. Good. <laughs> all right. First of all, I want you to see this. I'm taking off the glasses already. Okay? <laughs> He's all business. I'm not now. even gonna. I'm not even gonna start the point with the glasses on because there's no sense. <laughs> I was uh, texting with my good friend Chip Scoggins a couple nights ago about this. I brought this up with Louie last <laughs> Thursday, and it's driving me nuts. I am watching an unbelievable series right now between Nashville and Winnipeg. They are the two best teams, not the two best teams in the Western Conference. Hear me out here. They are the two best teams in the National Hockey League this season. And they are playing a series that I believe that if it was put in the conference finals would get non-hockey people to probably watch. Phil Mackey. Which, oh, that's where your argument already stops. Phil, like, it's a, that's an absurd Phil, argument. Phil Mackey might actually turn over and be like, no. hey, the conference finals, I'm going to watch. I'm not saying you'd watch full games, but the point being is instead of instead of taking the chance that you would have gotten these two teams and it would have been a very good chance that these two teams would have matched up in the Western Conference Finals because of how the National Hockey League does its playoff system, which I was in favor of when they started it, gentlemen, but in the last couple of years I've been like, you got to tweak this. You get, Just go to seedings. Instead, because of the system that we have where where the top team plays the eight wild card, this, the division winner from the other division plays the seven wild card, and then two plays three in each division. We have what should be a conference finals being played out in the second round of the Western Conference. So you can't and, just be happy that you're watching a great series. No, it should it be a conference to, finals. It has to be two weeks and, from now. And I also no, have, it needs to be two weeks I, from now. And I also would have rolled the dice that I could have gotten uh, Washington Pittsburgh possibly, but you know what? I'm going to focus. I'm, I'm going to keep my focus here on one thing. Predators and Jets. Here's another gripe that I have from a couple n- nights ago, and it's being rectified tonight, and why, I don't know why it wasn't a couple nights ago. Why can't you just be happy? And this is something that the Wild fought for the last two years, and I don't get why we've gone away f- from this now that I'm on my couch and it would be convenient. <laughs> Instead of having a 6 o'clock game on Tuesday night and an 8.30 game, which would have been the Jets and Preds, and which, by the way, is not <laughs> unprecedented. They put a bunch of wild games that were played at the X at I 8.30. Co- I covered a lot of them. Yeah. Instead of putting that at 8.30, two nights ago, they started, I think they faced off the one game at 6 or 6.30 in the East, and then they came back and played the Jets and Preds starting at 7 or 7.30 on CNBC. CNBC. It's all a a series that I'm saying should be a conference final was on your financial network. Now, tonight, what? I believe we're going 6 and 8.30. Okay. But anyway, so after covering, after years of saying, why don't they start these things 
or why don't they start them at seven for the wild, which they didn't do. I'm now in a position to be on my couch to watch a series yeah. that I want to start at eight thirty. And now the league's like, oh, let's start it at seven o'clock. Okay. That's a good idea. Okay, two things, two things. Number one, <laughs> there if, is if, no reasoning with Gary Batman. I want to talk to Dave here because I think I Dave that. is the voice of reason here with you me. Can talk to Chip too. If your business, no, I think feel like Chip might feel you on this argument. A little I just bit. like the music. <laughs> oh, NHL '94. I never played it, and it sounds awesome. All right, I'm think, with you. Let's let's boil Judd's rant down to. Let's boil it down to basically one thought. If your business model in the NHL is we need the sixth or seventh largest city in Canada to be part of our featured Western Conference Finals matchup with mostly anonymous players to the casual fan, like what make a compelling argument for why Nashville and Winnipeg would be an all eyes on series for fans who aren't diehard NHL lifers? Because you want your product, your league, to ramp up to where your best teams are advancing and then playing further down the line. You don't I, want I, your two best teams playing in the second I round. I would argue that Las, that Las Vegas is a much more compelling, later in the playoffs featured team because But they're of, not your two best teams. Because of the, doesn't matter, it's storylines. The Cavs aren't one of the best. No. The Cavs aren't one of the four best teams it, in the wait, NBA wait, this year. Wait, wait, wait. LeBron ma- James it is matters. Better. These are two marvelous hockey let, teams that should I, be playing the conference speak, finals. Let me speak. Well, don't say it doesn't matter. Judd. Don't me, say it doesn't matter. It matters. Judd, the, now you can speak. <laughs> I, every time I open again. my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The Cleveland Cavaliers this year are not one of the four or five best teams in the NBA. Even with injuries, the Boston Celtics are a better team than the Cleveland Cavs. They're like a four or five seed. But the Cavs are a better storyline and have this super freak all-time player on their roster. So if you are just rooting for the best teams, you'd be rooting for like Boston and... Uh, I don't know, some other mostly nondescript collection, maybe even the Sixers, although that matchup is taking place. That's a perfect example. Boston and the Sixers taking place in the second round of the NBA playoffs. But and So I, I would argue that I'd rather those two teams play so that I can get more star power that's that's meant for a national audience or a city or something that's meant for a national audience later in the playoffs. But what would your argument be if the Warriors played the Rockets in round two? They would never do that because the NBA but, is that's what I'm saying, But this is what we're saying. Your two best teams are playing in round two. But your two most compelling teams aren't playing in round two. The Winnipeg and Nashville aren't compelling teams to a casual fan. And you can make that argument as diehard hockey fans, ah, but, but, but Winnipeg, okay. Winnipeg is go, not a compelling team to a national audience. It's the fifth or sixth largest city in Canada, for but, God's but sake. But if they got to the Western Conference Finals and, and it and it unraveled as it, it is right Nobody now. Nobody would watch. And no would, one's going I, to watch. I disagree. You've got high-scoring games. Monday Night Raw is going to beat it every night. You've got, like, it's just true. But, that's, but, it's just but SmackDown's going to beat but it. What I'm say, but what I'm saying is you would have a compelling case to convert some, not all, not all, but you would have a compelling case to convert some to this marvelous series that you're seeing a ton of goals in. You're seeing it's big, fast, strong, physical, fun teams to watch. These are these. If you watch a series, a game from this series, you are seeing something that should be your conference final. Here's the reality, people. This is what the NHL lacks. Like I'm not going to sit here and debate. It's a high scoring, good series. I and I've enjoyed some of it. It's been great. My biggest point with the NHL, and it applies here too, is that diehard hockey fans are going to say, like, you need to watch Nashville and Winnipeg. And big picture casual sports fan wants actual storylines. And the NHL is horrible at building storylines. You see Major League Baseball has had trouble with that. But you know what? Back-to-back years, 
You give me a Cubs drought, amazing storyline. It doesn't mean that like the best teams played in the World Series, but if I have a an amazing century drought storyline that baseball kind of stumbled into, basketball on an annual basis has, and this is why the NBA is by far the most popular sport not named football right now. You can look up and down and say, LeBron legacy storyline, Brad Stevens, amazing whiz kid coach storyline, dragging a team with its three best players injured, the two best three-point shooting teams in the history of the NBA on a clash uh, to to play each other in the playoffs. I would say dynasty warriors. The The, NHL is, it just, it's almost too random to have storylines. Well, it's too anonymous. Stars make storylines. And so, and that's, the NBA does that better than any league. It's it's stars and they market them and they, and it's not so much team storylines as it is star storylines. Mm-hmm. Where you, I don't know that you're really ever going to get that in hockey. Now you get Crosby and you well, can they sell do that. a bad job. They do a bad job. Well, when you put a you put a playoff game in CNBC, correct? <laughs> I mean, well, right. That's right. Oh no, no. I could. We could sit here. But why do you think NBC doesn't want that game? And and we because could, it doesn't and, do ratings. And we and we could. But fix, that's more about the sport than the and we the could, game. And we could fix this entire thing. No, I Na- don't know if you could. Yes, yes, we could because <laughs> Nashville, the Predators are full of great. Storylines. P.K. Subban is a marvelous storyline. In, in what way is he, he a great storyline? He's a dynamic star player. He is a dynamic star player that, if if this league was marketed correctly, would be on billboards and would be well known. They the Montreal Canadiens did the league a tremendous favor by trading him to the Preds. The Preds have failed, or the the league has failed, I should say, not the Preds have failed to market him correctly. But I could build you, and, and you're, you're right, Phil. The league does a terrible job with storylines. I could build you the, those storylines, though, and then you, you would have these two great teams playing in a conference final, which would be much more compelling. But what, let, let, if if you marketed the heck out of this league and moved their games to ESPN, obviously the viewership would go up. But would would it just attract just a casual fan in the way that you think it would? I, I sort of think you either are or you're not. Well, here, here with, to what Jeb was saying, I, I actually PK Subban could if they if they marketed PK Subban correctly because of the color of his skin is. Yeah. Like, let's draw. Let's let's market a guy who could draw in people from different corners of the United States that might not even consider hockey. But it's almost like PK Subban is an afterthought in some of these smaller cities. And I don't know if you would manipulate that. I mean, the, the WNBA at times early on certainly manipulated where players are playing, yeah. at least in my book. But I think my biggest beef with your point here, Judd, is that if you think the NHL's problem and why more people don't like the sport is that they aren't featuring Winnipeg and Nashville, that's like that's no, like I'm, a, I'm that's saying, a symptom of their bigger problem. No, no, no. I'm saying it's a mistake that these teams aren't allowed the chance at least to, to get through to play in yeah. the conference final. No, this league's got a ton of problems. But if and, they played in the conference final, how would it be different? How would anything well, th- be no, different? I just want no as as a fan, I want those two teams to be given the chance to meet to go to the Stanley Cup. I just think in a perfect world, your two best teams would meet in the conference finals before it yeah, just but it that's up. That's but that's that's you and as a fan. And you, you know you can't guarantee it, but I, I and I understand why they did it, but I, I do wonder if they will look back on and said, you know, maybe we should seed it. Yeah, just seed the teams. Like to seed the teams. It's fine. Know? Yes. Like what? What right now are the? Uh, we did this exactly a year ago, and I'm going to ask the same question. What right now? You you got you got people who they can watch anything they want on cable. They can watch anything they want on Hulu, on Amazon, on Netflix. Right now, the options are endless for what people can watch. What are the three main storylines other than the games are really good? Because there's a lot of good games across basketball and baseball and football, but, and a good game isn't enough to draw in that's, an audience. But that's a storyline on top of a good game. Mm-hmm. Hockey 
by and large is, hey, these these series are ultra competitive and they're going to overtime and they're lasting and they're, you know, they're fierce and they're, you know, I've got three. These teams hate each other. I've got three, but 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 they're game driven, right? But this is but this is the problem with this league. It trips all over itself at every turn. But there are th- I can give you let's do the three from when we the come Western back. Conference. I can give you three easy. Let's do the three when we come back. Chip's hanging out with us. Please listen carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue. Let's go, people. Let's get it going. On fifteen hundred ESPN. We'll be hitting 70 degrees for this Friday. Tomorrow, you know what that means. The official GL Garage Door Opener. Celebrate with 1500 ESPN and Garage Logic. 1 to 3 tomorrow with a live GL broadcast at Charlie's on Pryor in Pryor Lake. Come enjoy the weather. Enter to win a new Legacy 850 Garage Door Opener from Overhead Door Company of the Northland. Details at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. Wheeler back up top of the right point of Bufflin. Back to Wheeler. In for Shifley. Big safe. Reba. Score! Blake Wheeler. After Pecorone made a terrific save off Blake. Off of Mark Shifley. The rebound to the far side to Wheeler. Sharp angle. He buries it. And the captain has the Jets in front. 5-4 with 4.59 to go. It's a power play marker. All right. So we're talking... We're fixing the NHL as we do like every every <laughs> every week. Every week, I wish Chip's hanging out with us, and uh, and and the reason I disagree with Judd's premise that Nashville, Winnipeg, the NHL has screwed up their playoff formatting. Where Nashville, Winnipeg, arguably the two best teams in the NHL, they should be it should be a Western Conference Finals matchup, and and I say like I think you're overrating the value of that matchup. Not that those aren't great teams, but there's no geographical rivalry. There's no historical significance between Nashville and Winnipeg. There's no recent rivalry. It's not like it's not like uh well, I mean, here's a good example. And this is this is a storyline. I'll start you off. You give me storylines. I'll start you off. Penguins going for a, an extension of or the creation of a dynasty. Mm-hmm. And then the rivalry with the Washington Capitals and maybe the two most noteworthy players in the league going head to head again. I mean, that That's easy so. That right there. <laughs> yes. But that's like that's awesome for the NHL and that's much more compelling and you could and, and maybe that was destined to happen in the second round, but like you could make a case that that should somehow be a an, an Eastern Conference Finals oh, no, matchup. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we agree on that. Someone on Twitter uh, mentions here too, and I'll I'll give you this that the Vegas story. I think that needs to be played up even more as like this crazy underdog story of an expansion team in a new new market that hockey is not traditionally known to uh, to be in. And they have a chance to maybe win the cup as this underdog story. I I do think Vegas, if they win this round, and you could say it should be there anyways. But I, I think the momentum would build on that one. I mean, that's an obvious storyline. Um, yeah, but, and, and their and their games are fun. It's a party atmosphere. But that's the problem, Chip. It should it shouldn't have to to build itself. The league should recognize it and market it. Yeah, right away. That that's the thing about that hockey. Almost when when it has success, it seems like it trips into it. Instead of instead of the league embracing the fact that, and I think they thought they think they are, and it's just like instead of the league recognizing what a special story that, that that this was and marketing it from day one of the playoffs, it feels like they always are like, oh, oh yeah, now it's a good start. Well, no, the Vegas storyline was magnificent to begin with. If this is what's going to happen, then it should be marketed to the public immediately and as much possible. And but you know what drives. Like attention and and people talking about what is on ESPN all day, 
I mean, because people have ESPN on all day, and and yeah, and the NBA is on there all. No right. matter what happens, it's LeBron, it's the Warriors, it's the Rockets, and the NHL. They bolted on them. Well, you, no, you, I mean it's just not part of the conscious. I still a, think if you gave equal coverage on ESPN to NBA and NHL, I agree that NHL would go up, but there'd still be a huge gap. Yeah, it would be in a huge well, gap, yeah. And I don't want anyone to ever think I'm defending this league. I'm not. Uh, I think we get that. I'm, pir- <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pir- there's no question but, about that. But but because but because I'm a hockey fan and love the sport, I realize that it is it they do so many things wrong. And and to not have contractually gotten at least a game of the week on ESPN, it's a form of suicide. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And you know, and for Bettman on the conference call when when they did the deal with what was it OLN yeah. originally for Bettman to say on that conference call, well, ESPN's always done right before us, and I'm sure we're going to get as much coverage on on ESPN as we always did. You're crazy. Well, yeah. Chip brought this up during the commercial break too, and it's and you can lump baseball into this category. Why baseball and the NHL have a lot more trouble stirring up interest and and you know year to year fan interest and you know just because you have a star player on your hockey team or baseball team, it doesn't guarantee that your team is going to play postseason uh, you know matchups. In the NBA, if you have a star player. You're going to get in as at least the eight seed, and then you're going to play into April, May, and June. In football, if you have a quarterback, you're playing in the AFC Championship game if you have Ben Roethlisberger. If you have Patrick Kane or Mike Trout, you're not guaranteed anything because individual stars aren't as influential Mm -hmm. in those sports as they are quarterback in football and star in basketball. Well, Judd always laments Connor McDavid. Oh, that's my biggest gripe right now. It, it's not in the playoffs. I mean, that that is a guy you can market easy buried, when you get the postseason. Buried in Western Canada with a GM who's a complete moron. And it, so I mean, it, it would be bad enough if he was buried there and they, they made the playoffs, but this is inexcusable for this to happen. Let's take a call real quick here. Uh, Chansey, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. Hey, I've got a kind of a random thought here, rule change idea for, for hockey in general. <laughs> I brought this up with some of my hockey friends up in uh, North Dakota, upper northwest Minnesota, and they all say I'm crazy. But what do you think about this idea? In hockey, there's a lot of times when you get the stoppage, almost a breakaway offside. What if they just eliminated offsides in hockey, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I threw this This is what I do on video games. <laughs> right, but, but in seriousness, I know yes. it would obviously change records and, and the historical way the game is played. That's fine. But what people will say is, well, the game might be 15 to 12 if you did that. And I say, yeah, that would be uh, good for hockey. I think that uh, that would be a good thing if you actually are trying to draw in casual fan interest. What is the negative in doing that? Other than, uh, obviously, I understand you're altering the way the game is played. But uh, ever thought about that? And uh, I mean, they drew, they, they drew a new line it's on the been, basketball exactly. court 30 years it's, ago. So, it's yeah. been discussed by fans. I, I don't, don't know if the league has discussed it. I love so radical. I love the idea though. Wow! And and plus, and plus, guess what? It gets rid of these stupid (laughs) offside reviews, which delay the game. And 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 you know, if his skate was above the blue line as the puck crossed, it's offsides and no goal. If you want to cherry pick, go ahead and cherry pick, man. You sit down there by the faceoff circle. (laughs) You don't. I'll be out here. You don't. And you don't have to increase ice size. Change the size of the goal and spread it out. It's Space. a very interesting idea. Spacing creates offense, right? In the NFL, you spread it out, you get some speed, and boom, boom, boom. It would be fun for them if the NHL said, "You know what? Preseason, we're just going to try it just to see what it looks like." Oh my god, I'd be all. <laughs> I, it'd, be, it'd be fascinating. 
Yeah. It would be fascinating. Hey, I, I sort let's of like do it. it. Let's fire it up. Yeah. And I let's like get it. the Olympics. Let's get Batman on the phone right now. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, Gary will be very receptive. Wake him up from his nap. Let, hey, let's take one more here real quick here. Let's take one more. Chip's hanging out with us. Richard, you're on the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, my my point is we always bring up the NHL's fourth most popular sport, big deal. I mean, we already know that it's always going to be that way. It doesn't matter. There's nothing more exciting than watching a hockey game because you don't know what the score is going to be at the end. In basketball, I'm not a basketball guy. You know it's going to be 100 to 100 and something at the end of the game. How can I get excited over someone getting a, a seven-footer slam dunking <laughs> to make it 2 nothing in the beginning of a game? It's just not exciting. But, Richard, you and, could make the same point about, oh, how can I get excited about, like, 30 stop shots and no action in the NHL? It's not about – it. it what, I think you're picking flaws, thank you for the call, with the game itself, and I'm picking flaws with the layer on top of the game itself, yeah. which is storylines or maximizing excitement. So, Although in hockey, I would say the game itself could be more exciting if you allowed for more story. I'm pointing out that, that there are several things that could be done tomorrow to, to help things, and they won't do them. This is a league that doesn't do them. If you want to market uh, stars, you could. Mm. The, the fact that Subban is not Marketed way more is absolutely nuts. Nashville, good market, great player, and the league just sort of goes along about its business, Chipper, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I mean, yeah, he's a good player. I mean, Mike Milbury called this guy a clown. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.